Hello and welcome to the 2023 Due Signori in Giallo Christmas Special. This time we're doing things a bit differently. We have strayed away from our normal Giallo content and have headed into outer space, though still via Italy, where the star fields and spaceships are strangely festive and there's a Christmas Carol Lion Monroe in fetish gear. It can only be Luigi Cozzi's 1978 kinda sorta Star Wars ripoff, Star Crash. Now, as per usual, we will be spoiling all of the third act revelations in what can be charitably described as a plot, but as this is a more PG-rated offering than our typical review subjects, I don't think I need to give a content warning, which in itself is kind of a Christmas miracle. Please join us. Our galaxy is split into two warring factions our own, and the one ruled by the evil Count, Zarthan, from the League of the Dark World. The Count has created a weapon, a weapon so vast, so huge, that it would take a whole planet to conceal it. You must sail to the haunted stars, find the Count's secret planet and destroy it. I'd spent my lunch an hour watching the second half of Star Crash and then my brain melted for the meetings that I had. John, do you have any thoughts on that? How can the warship stop the flow of time? I mean, before we get to and the, an end, uh, a Deus Machinae ending that would make Russell T. Davis blush, there are so many uh, things that are introduced um, that it... Uh, <laughs> I first saw this when I was, I think, around five or six, mm-hmm. when um, I would devour anything Star Wars related mm. or just adjacent, rather. And I remember, I think my mum got this and the Ice Pirates out. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't show a five or six year old the Ice Pirates now. No, it was a different time, and you know. It was space, it was sci-fi, and it was just still, it was largely considered that, you know, sci-fi was quite immature. Mm -hmm. Certainly with the post-Star Wars um, rush. But, you know, Star Crash has no one, in Star Crash, no one has their bollocks ripped off by a machine. So I remember quite enjoying Star Crash. I remember um, the L robot. I remember that quite quite distinctly, I suppose, because it's it's there partly for the kids as well. I remember him Mm -hmm. being a baddie. Or thinking he was a baddie, then he becomes a goodie, and then him getting smashed up, and then him getting repaired. Um, the chronology of which I think we should look at, because um, <laughs> it's all a bit um, odd. I mean, this is watching it back now. This is this is not a good film. This is it's barely a film uh, in terms of <laughs> in terms of structure. Um, it spends a lot of time on model shots. Like the mm-hmm. attack from the uh, the Emperor's ship on the Count's ship. There's a good, like, four minutes of just showing spaceships moving quickly. Flying past, yeah. Counting the same shot several se- 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 several times. Um, but it is a funny beast. Even the, the, the narrative language of film uh, and, you know, or storytelling, if you like. Because it starts with... Um, you know, like Star Wars, the lengthy ship over the camera, uh, mm-hmm. which looks quite good, and then you 
but then you get a bit up close and like the grading isn't quite and like the shading isn't quite as good <laughs> as Star Wars and it looks a bit it looks a bit cheaper but you know it's, it's, it's paid for a lot less money so you know we can't mm. they're doing they're, they're doing what they can but then it has like um uh like a an ele- an, uh, an elevator scene you know futuristic elevators that go up down and sideways a bit mm. like which remind you of course of, of Star Trek um mm. and that you know sort of plush, slightly sensual female computer voice going Major Bradbury, which I assume is a reference to Ray Bradbury. It is. And then it shows someone like Major Bradbury go to the bridge or go go wherever. And then it shows someone walking through a door. And then a bit later, it cuts to a very, very unspectacular um, bridge, uh, quite a small room. We just two people with two people talking and two, pe- two other people like operating machines. No one walks in. Um, and you've you've established someone's being summoned somewhere. You've established someone walking in somewhere. Throughout that first scene, I'm waiting for someone to walk in, <laughs> and no one does. Uh, and similarly, they then, as they're we don't know quite what their mission is at this point, but they they're approaching they're approaching a planet looking for something. Uh, and then we see basically they're attacked by whatever it is at the end of the stone tape. Lots of lights and. Um, I think I spot the odd sort of um, lava lamp effect uh, at, at, attacking what would later call the red monsters, but they, yeah, it's a bit of a light show. And then it's just um, attacking all the crew. And again, there's no bridging scene that just needs a what's that? What's that coming? Um, something, you know, it needs it needs a we've got something we're being we're under attack and then and then um, we see a rather laboured shot where three ships run away, presumably they're escaping. And then the ship, and then the ship blows up, and that's the sort of pre-title sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, the narrative structure is is slightly. It doesn't follow the standard rules of 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 storytelling. It's sort of a language with a camera. So you know, if you have someone that enters a room, you expect mm-hmm. to see them enter the room from the other perspective, or at least you know, dialogue to say this person's just walked through. But none of that happened, which makes it feel slightly disjointed. And also, mm-hmm. the language uh, used. Is nothing like anything that makes that gives it any degree of realism in terms of believable characters. It is the most mm. cliched ridden dialogue all the way through, uh, and jump cuts like you know no one else has been <laughs> like when they discover the um, the the ship. It's not a ship; it's a launch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure the pur- pur- purpose of that. I think I'll go and have a. And then it's like before you even said they go and have a look. You just see Caroline Monroe in a spacesuit, or rather a model shot. Um, mm. And again, there's the, the, the jump cut. You're, you're assuming a lot to get to mm. uh, the things as well. And I like the fact that there's clearly there's a character they find the only surviving uh, person in the in the ship, who I assumed was just there as an exposition character, but he has no lines. Uh, in- <laughs> Instead, it's just given to Caroline. Uh, it's sorry, Acton, <laughs> named after a West London suburb, <laughs> who just basically gives the dialogue. And it was like, do, what's the what was the point of the guy? The guy's wearing quite a tight fitting suit, and uh, hmm. you can tell he, he he dresses to the left. Yes, and then they get captured, and then they're suddenly on a on a um, on different prison planets. But we mainly follow Caroline Monroe's. Uh, character who organizes quite easily a breakout and she disappears off camera and the next thing you see she's running clear and like i'm not quite yeah. sure how that how, how that happened and that various yeah. things like with acton's character he can suddenly be unaffected by um laser bolts and can blast them back at people and it uh which 
given that uh, um, Stella and Acton are meant to be smugglers, you thought might have come in handy at some point in their years long years long relationship. Yeah, um, he can also reveals he can see the future, but it doesn't tell you because you can't do anything about it. Uh, but well, also- yeah, the, but the great, my favourite thing about that, and that's kind of jumping ahead to the end, is he says, "If I tried, if I told you the future, you'd try and change it, and that's against the law." It's like you're pirates. Yes, that's true. Yes, <laughs> against the law, against what? Well, perhaps he means temporal law. Maybe that's a bit of a Doctor Who line, isn't it? Isn't it? You can't change yeah. it. Like you can't change history slash or the future. Um, yeah. Unless you're me. It's it, one one of my favourite gags in in Star Trek is that episode of Deep Space Nine where. It, it turns out the sort of a temporal investigation branch of Starfleet for when people go back in time and fuck with things. Right. And, and they basically got a dartboard with a picture of Captain Kirk on it because of the number of infractions <laughs> that he's made. That's quite funny. Do you, do you know in Doctor Who, the Time Lords um, uh, covert operations team are called the CIA? Hurry. Oh, really? The Celestial Intervention Agency. Nice, like it. Should, should we do a a, a a pricey of the plot? Well, good luck. Su- I mean, it's, such it's, as it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's sort of the plot development of a choose your own adventure book. It's just a series yes. of things that happens. Well, and, and that's kind of interesting, and I think we'll we'll probably kind of get into that as to like wh- wh- why it is as it is. Because yes, I'm assuming there's quite some fun to be had with the with the production. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Digging into it, and there's quite a lot on the the US Blu-ray um, from a, a guy who was writing a book on Star Crash that then became a couple of commentaries. Uh, so I'm kind of parroting that a little bit. Although I will try and leave out all of the young people today, you with your CGI's, you don't know you're born uh, aspects of the uh, discussion because I, I find all of that slightly tiresome. Yeah. So um, actually, before you do the crazy, Dave, yeah. um, why are we watching this? It's not a jolly. No. No, um, it's Christmas. Um, <laughs> but what's it got to do with Italy? Uh, well, it's made in Italy. I see. So it was directed by uh, L- Louis Coates. That doesn't sound very Italian. Or as his mum knows him, uh, Luigi Cozzi, ah. um, who was uh, has sort of a fascinating life and career. Um, everything from... Uh, so he's he's a big kind of classic sci-fi and fantasy geek uh, to the point where in his sort of early career, he was actually the literary agent for a lot of uh, sci-fi authors um, in, wow. in Italy, um, including Murray Leinster, uh, who gets a name check as the name of the ship um, at the beginning, the one that you mentioned. Uh, oh, right. It... That sounds a bit like a, um, a sort of construction firm, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I wonder if it was a sponsorship, but it's a. Um... But it, it's a. It, Murray Lester is a sci-fi author. Or was a sci-fi author. Ah. Um, uh, it doesn't sound very much in the in the um, the particular milieu of this universe. But then quite a few things don't, as it turns out, um, like Simon. Simon. But we'll come. Yeah, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll come on we'll, to we'll, Simon. We'll come on to Prince Simon. Um, yeah. So uh, it, basically, the, the the spaceship you mentioned, uh, which uh, you you can tell they had sod all money for the effects and hopefully we'll touch on that as well by the fact that they've sort of done a spaceship model um in the way that they used to be done where you know you you build the basic model and then you get a bunch of you know plastic airfix kits and 
and and stick them on in, in a process known as kit bashing, but they like haven't cut bits off. They've no. literally just taken the entire model kit you know with the remi- spars and all. You know what it reminded and- me of? I was really lucky <laughs> when I was a kid, and I had an X-Wing, but I had an X-Wing that was quite grey. Right. It had sort of like battle scar things on it as well. And it had the and the engine ports were black. Um, oh. And someone else had, or actually several people at school also had X wings, and they were white. They looked much cheaper. And apparently, mm. I had a limited edition mm. X wing, and it sort of looked like that. It looks like a cheap plastic toy of a of a spaceship, yes. rather than say what you know the Corellian or the Star Destroyer looked like at the beginning well, of Star Wars, which is a spaceship. And, and I think again, this is like because they had so little money and time, and. On top of that, the guy actually doing the effects had never really done effects before. Um, so, like, painting it to look like yeah. a spaceship? Uh, pro- probably not. A bit grey, um, have some have some dark, have some shadow, you know, some yeah. shadow there as well. Um, but anyway, so so they are they are flying to a region of space known as the Haunted Stars, uh, which Quite look cool. like which look like Christmas lights. So hence, you know, festive. Um, and as you said, they're carrying an important passenger that we learn through exposition. Now, a lot of exposition in this movie is basically because things that they put in the script, they then couldn't afford to do. So there's quite a lot of like scenes missing. So instead of saying scene missing, they just have to get someone to say, we've got an important passenger on board. And then they get attacked by a lava lamp. Yeah, um, right. Because there's, um, there's a lot of um, people saying what's just off screen rather than you know showing it in long shot. Yes, I assume they can't afford the long shot. Yes, exactly. The long shot was probably in the script, but it just never then happened. So um, they get attacked by the lava lamp. Three escape pods fly off. Um, Again, for budgetary reasons, we're only ever going to pursue two of those, but don't worry about it. Um, And so the ship explodes, and then we get the credits. Star crash, and that rather wonderful uh, John Barry theme, because John Barry needed to eat in the 1970s Um, isn't he doing james bond at this point yeah 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 he is but you know um apparently so if you notice in the credits the music publishing company gets a massive credit yeah no one else then other than the director um and then and so apparently like italian music publishers would do that it's like yeah we'll get you john barry just give us like put us on the poster and which right. I guess okay. helped, but anyway, so so John Barry who needs to eat, and he kind of did you know black hole around the same time, so he's clearly like, you know, John Barry always struck me as very sort of taciturn and northern, and he was probably fed up because now oh it's all space films now, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So, uh, but yeah, he 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 gives of his best because he's an old pro. Um. And then then we meet uh uh the the space smugglers, the best smugglers in the galaxy apparently, or they get caught remarkably quickly. Yeah. So. Uh, which is Stella Star in the form of Caroline Monroe. Bit of a tautology, Stella Star, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, but did I mention Caroline Monroe? And yeah. her, her, her <laughs> as I said to you before, going to need that that horny jail meme again. Um, bonk, bonk. <laughs> and her sidekick Acton, uh, as you said. Named after a suburb of London and played by um, ex-child evangelist uh, Marjo Gortner. Uh, so they'd find the the first of the escape pods. And as you said, they find a survivor. Uh, they, uh, they get chased first by, oh, yeah, um, chased by, by yeah. the, the Imperial Police uh, featuring um, Thor, 
not that one, uh, who's played by Robert Tessier, who is kind of a stuntman and, and professional movie heavy. Um, so he's probably the only person in cinema who's been in a fight with both Caroline Monroe and Jackie Chan because he was in the um, Cannibal Run. Okay. Uh, he turns... He, he... He, he occasionally appears more green later on in the in the film than he does initially. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I suspect the the makeup was also uh, something that that suffered with the with the budget. Um, and of course, police robot L, who is a robot that talks like a comedy cowboy. Yeah. Um, uh, so they chase, they escape, they uh, fly into a sort of quite cheesy video effect, but they escape. They find the survivor, um, who tells them uh, telepathically, because presumably that extra didn't speak English, um, to alert the emperor of the first circle of the universe. How many circles of the universe are there? I assume the universe is our universe. God. I mean, that implies don't, multiverse. To, to, don't to question it. <laughs> it's what, I mean, Doctor Who does this all the time, where yeah. basically solar system, galaxy and universe mm. are sort of pretty much interchangeable. Yeah. Parsec is a, a measure of speed. Yeah, uh, it's that whole not, thing. Rather than, uh, rather than, rather than yeah, distance, distance of yeah, units of distance. Um. Anyway, so they get they get captured, uh, and and uh, go up against the, the the judge, which is very clearly uh, nicked from invaders from Mars. Um, at which point, Caroline Monroe dons the the first of several kind of space bondage bikini outfits. Yeah. Um. Which I didn't really mind at all. Um, no. Uh, we we also meet the villain of the piece, who is Count Zarth Arn. They spelt Count wrong, didn't they? <laughs> um, who is basically played by? From, it's it's the bloke from Godfather Two. Yes, it yeah. is Joe Spinell from yeah. Godfather Two and Cruising. That's and, it, Cruising. Um, yes, yes, sorcerer and uh, maniac, and all of those sort of horrible like crazy psycho killer films um in, in a cloak with princess Leia's hair um <laughs> he's, he's he's got the bunches <laughs> um and and he lives in the spaceship that looks like a hand and he wants to um take over the universe with with his secret weapon that's so big it's hidden in the planet how they're going to get it out of the planet to actually use it we don't know don't worry go with it yeah we don't really um, know what the what the weapon really is do we no. it seems to be defended by yes things um he he also has these sort of sidekicks which are really bad kind of stop motion meccano things oh i quite like because there will be it, it, there are a couple of sort of harryhausen esque modern stop motion creatures aren't and, how dare you <laughs> well, that's clearly what he's doing. i said harryhausen esque <laughs> Yes, that's that. That's what they're going for. They are, and um, presumably that was part of the reason for getting Caroline Monroe. I mean, she does. Was it Golden Voyage of Sinbad? Um, I believe. Yeah, I believe actually that it was Golden Voyage of Sinbad that that Luigi Cozzi had seen her in, and, and which was also Tom Baker's was, uh, unwitting audition for Doctor. Of course, yeah. Um, but um, actually, those slightly odd and very slow and seemingly um, quite impractical. Uh, they call them golems, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, but they have that weird sort of like ch- uh, chittering um, effect as they move, uh, which mm. I fa- actually thought was quite sinister. I, mm. I, quite, I, I quite like that. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not slow in slagging this film off, so I will praise it. In bits no, like, in bits that's, that fair like. yeah. that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Anyway, Caroline Monroe in her sort of thigh boots and space bikini is working at, in a prison 
penal colony where you have to drop big blobs of uranium into a big pot. Um, and she's doing it with not a lot of clothes on. Yes. I mean, she does say, my skin's going to fry off. And it's like, well, yeah, everyone else is wearing overalls, so I can. Yeah. I, that's that's partially for, on you. doing it for 12 hours. Now, <laughs> yes. everyone was just dead of cancer, including the guards. Right? Yes. Um, but the, the, a, a prison break is staged, and, and one of my favourite bits here is that she just sort of fucks off while they're all they're all getting shot. All the people that are helping her are getting shot, and she, <laughs> and she does. Well, now she you know, she's practical, of... and she's also she's a yeah. smuggler. She's not necessarily goody. As yeah. It's just the way she sort of go disappears off, you know, stage left, and then the next shot she's running outside. Those perimeter guards are not very good. Yeah, I do feel for Caroline Monroe because you can actually see in the sort of brief kind of fight scene where like one of the guards is whacking her with a stick you see she's already got like marks on her arms from like the previous take and it's just like oh she 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 gave it a, gave it her all um oh yeah so Karen Monroe, Monroe does fine yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's got ridiculous outfits to wear awful dialogue um and she and it's not even her voice um yes. I think she does I think I think she does a fine job indeed um and you know again sort of Telling of the budget that when uh, when she kind of gets outside the penal colony, colony which explodes, uh, her hair changes because they were shot at like different ends of the schedule. Uh, but again, just go with it. Um, she gets picked up by a another spaceship, um, which, as it turns out, Thor and Elle have kind of come around because um, they now need her and Acton to go I just can't it's just so silly saying that um to go and find the very important passenger that was on the exploding spaceship um and because she's the best pilot in the galaxy apparently um so they they have to go to the other prison colony where um apparently they've been keeping acting in the floor yeah, um, why not just have them at the same prison? There's, there's, there's no real. There's, there's just this one scene where Acton gets put up on a lift, and then just some guy goes, "My gift to you," and then yes. they go, see, we're all right, and then we're back on the ship. But for yeah. for a film that was struggling for money and lost a number of its scenes, that scene yeah. is entirely wasteful. Yeah, apparently there was a scene where um, the, the uh, L is trying to kind of wing it that he has authorization to get Acton, and then it turns out that the warden knows Caroline Monroe's character really well, and he was just going to like give him Acton any give them Acton anyway. But, um, but yeah, anyway, then, then they meet the Emperor of the First Circle of the Universe, who is a hologram of Christopher Plummer. And we know that because L goes, "Look, it's a hologram of Christopher Plummer." Just on, <laughs> and then there's a cut to a hologram of Christopher Plummer. Which which keeps changing size depending on which angle you're looking at it as, but but it's Christopher Plummer giving it of his, you know, like properly, like look, you know, I took the money. He's taking it seriously, yeah, yeah. Um, apparently he was like, yeah, I, I I would do anything to go to Rome, pretty much. So he was like, he did yeah. for a holiday, right? Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So apparently they are the only ones that can rescue. Uh, the the, um, the 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 very important passenger and find the secret weapon. We don't know why they're the only ones who can. And Acton intuits that the the first planet they should look is called Arrakis, not Arrakis. You can't sue us. Um, so uh, and 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 it says it's an unknown planet named Arrakis. And if it's unknown, how how do you know what it's called? Um, also, in that bit, um, they go somewhere that no one's ever been before. Which is will take thousands or um, days, but they can get there in two hours. No one's ever been there before, but it's two hours away. Yep. So it's this, 
It's the it's the equivalent of going from London to Norfolk. Yes, exactly. Well, that one's ever been to Norfolk. Um, it's not on the way to anywhere. Yeah. Well, it's like going to Lincoln. Um, oh, that's better. Yes, no, there's a lovely cathedral in Lincoln. There is a lovely cathedral in Lincoln. Um, anyway, it just it gives Caroline Monroe uh, just time to put on a different, slightly different space bikini. Uh, and they go down to a sort of beachy planet and find the kind of crash launch. And they're captured by Amazons on horseback. We know this because Elle says, look, Amazons on horseback. Um, now, apparently this is actually the same beach as they filmed Jason and the Argonauts. Is it? Which, which gets... Even more painful like, a bit later on. <laughs> when they have which, a big Titan robot. Yeah. It's yeah, clearly female. Which we'll come to. Um, anyway, so the queen of the Amazons um, is apparently an ally of the Count, which we kind of find out from some dialogue. There was supposed to be scenes of them actually communicating, but that didn't happen. So, um, And there's a weird bit where she says, take my revenge kill them before they've actually met or done anything yeah and it's the same dialogue as happens later when they've kind of taken her prisoner and escaped uh and i assume they just had like forgotten to loop anything else so they were just like a go with it it's fine um and also um there's a bit where Elle's shot um yes and, they, but he, but, and then he's taken then caroline monroe is taken prisoner but then Elle gets up a bit later and he's fine and he's fine yep That's um so there's a little kung fu fight. Uh, Caroline Monroe's um, Healy boots briefly don't have heels because, you know, for, for safety reasons. Um, they escape. They get chased along the beach by, as you say, the sort of female space equivalent of, of Talos from uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Well, I thought so. of it as, um, you know, the Mother Ukraine statue in Kiev. Okay. Yeah, because... Um, oh. I've been to Kiev and I've been to see, see the statue, uh, and uh, it, it's locally known as Tin Tits. <laughs> okay. And that statue also had the statue that chases them also has breasts. Yes. So I thought of it as Tin Tits. Yeah. Now apparently, and it has um, a sword. It has a sword. Now apparently, um, Armando. Uh, 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 Valcoda, who was the effects guy, was supposed to redo this because either they were like, "Yeah, that looks shit," uh, <laughs> ah. but but they didn't have enough time or money, and he had to, you know, put some spaceships on a on a static rail. Um, in fact, for the next scene, which is as they escape in the spaceship, they get chased by Amazon fighters. Yeah, I mean, and then El goes on like. A- the Amazon fighters, like spaceships, will will be here soon. The, like the, the half one, an hour ago, you didn't even know this planet was inhabited. There was there was apparently another going to be another scene where Zarthon is, has dispatched some ships because they're his. You know, as you see later on, they're the same things. It's like sort of, yeah, we found these we found these random horse riding Amazons, but they've got some Tie fighters just because they do. Um, and so they have a battle where they kind of fight off these these. Uh, amazon ships and this is where this is where it becomes kind of surreal insider art because this is the this is the scene in which the dialogue which up until now has been very clearly like written by an italian and translated into english like sometime later uh and not really been proofread in the process just becomes something that 
actively hurts your head. Um, because nothing said in this scene, A, has any bearing on what you're actually seeing, and B, is anything that any person has ever said in the history of ever. Um, powers up to full battle speed is a particular favourite. Um, there's the bit where, is it Caroline Monroe says there's one more and then three fly past? Yeah, my favourite one as well. I think it actually, I think it's Acton that says, yep, yeah, one more, cut to three ships. Um, mm. And it's clearly like no one's in the, no one's really taking any notice in the edit. Presumably because they don't then, speak English. And then there's the wonderful bit where uh, Carolyn Monroe, I just keep calling her Carolyn Monroe, Stella Star says, you, why don't you come back now? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> um, anyway, so they, they and, and, and Martin Courtney gets very excited during this scene. Um, he's literally kind of bouncing up and down. Uh, with excitement, but anyway, that that by the by, uh, so they so they uh, they escape. They go to a, an ice planet, um, but this is before Empire, before Empire Strikes Back, it? by the way. Yeah. 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 So so you know, there's, there's some ingenuity there. And, it's, um, and it also it says, however, I think the line is uh, the temperature drops thousands of degrees at night. Uh, um, no, 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 it, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> um, and they want to say it's very cold. But yes. there's there's me pointing out I uh, can't drop below absolute zero. Is that minus two seven three or something? something I can't remember. That, yes. Yeah. Um because yeah. because at the moment verisimilitude is really what I'm after in this, in this, in this, <laughs> in this film. Because in um, a minute you're gonna survive by I'm gonna hold your hand. Yes. And so well, suspended animation. Okay. So that so that that brings us to an interesting sort of behind the scenes point um so they find and they find the main ship which is quite impressive because it exploded but they find it anyway um and this was all shot on location in i think it was like the swiss alps um which is like the sort of bizarre dichotomy of this movie they didn't have a lot of money and they spent it on a lot of the wrong things so they did a lot of like location shooting which then meant they had like no money for makeup or special effects or any of the things that you really want in a sci-fi movie that's knocking off star wars um but the exteriors look great a lot of the sets look very nice the 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 main spaceship that like the you know the hero spaceship is is in a quite sort of barbarella kind of camp way is very cool um that they some of the costumes are quite good uh not not sort of looking in any particular direction but anyway um so anyway they're on this ice planet um the spaceship won't take off, and it and Thor turns out working for Evil Count Zarthan, who is prone incidentally to shouting his own name for no particular reason. He just stands there going Zarthan. Um, I spent a lot of time shouting Count or something similar. Yes. <laughs> so Acton, Acton, and uh, Thor fight, and this is the bit you mentioned where it turns out that Acton has like superpowers as an well, it's just it, it's not consistent like he's they're no. having the fight and it's you know it's quite an even fight because they, you want to have you know the, the, mm. the, the, the tension and then he starts to shut him in the door of this mm. sort of inner compartment within the bridge mm. and then something flashes in Axon's eyes and then mm. from that moment he's impervious and then just yeah. reflects bullets back or sorry laser bolts back onto back onto um, Thor and yes. um, it's I if it's meant to be something like you know he builds up power 
then then mm. then fine because there's clearly because we'll later come on to oh he's got a laser sword what's that like yeah. he he's got some basically powers of communication he's in touch with higher yeah with with mm. with, with higher science he's a jedi basically yeah but we have no backstory we have no rules um so whereas star wars obviously tries to spend a lot of the, the early part of um i'm calling it star wars all right because that's what the film's called because it's, it's an episode yeah. four in New Hope, um, yeah. like what the Jedi, what the Jedi were, what why Luke is important, and what the what the Force is. Obviously, it's all Hogan, but it has the it has the you know interior logic. Hmm. Uh, whereas here, they just make up stuff so he can win. Um, yeah. But I'll come on to I'll come on to a bit more of his just made up powers that get them out of scrapes <laughs> later later. later yeah. But nothing. And of course, nothing will beat will beat the Deus Machinator to yes. to kill all Deus. Yes. Well, and as you said, uh, you know, the, 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 again, there's that this wonderful, terrible dialogue. Nothing can survive these deadly rays. These deadly rays will be your death. Sorry, what? Um, anyway, uh, yes, we forgot. I, I forgot to mention this. So they leave kind of Stella outside to freeze. But because she holds hands with Elle, um, she's fine. Yeah, uh, he puts uh, her body into spinning animation by holding her hand. Yes, and... This is the first indication of something that then kind of becomes a, a running motif in the film, which has a kind of an interesting backstory, which is that... Um, so initially, like, Elle, you know, he's like, you dirty, no good smuggler. And then they have this scene on the snow where they're basically, like, declaring their undying love for each other. Um, so the guy in the robot suit is uh, a guy called Judd Hamilton, who was then married to Caroline Monroe. Uh, right now now caroline is is generally pretty tight-lipped about her kind of personal life but it sort of seems the inference is that they did not have kind of the happiest relationship uh and it is pretty clear that judd hamilton sort of inveigles his way into a, a few of the films that she's in because he doesn't really like the idea of her being around you know good-looking male actors so oh, fine in this then it then becomes this <laughs> it then becomes this rather bizarre sort of love triangle between Caroline Monroe, her pet robot, and David Hasselhoff. We haven't got to Prince Simon, which, which we haven't got to yet. But bear that in mind when it gets to the end of the movie. <laughs> um, anyway, My cock blocking circuits are activated. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, Stella's fine. She puts on a different space bikini. Um, then they get to well. Then they, as they're flying to the well, next on, planet, on, get, sorry, we've just like we've like the spaceship doesn't take off, and then they yeah. have the, the, the fight because um, Thor couldn't take mm. off to go and see the Count, um, and then Elle and Stella get back on the ship. And mm. Elle's like, no, it's kaput completely. I can't make this work at all. I don't know what's happening. And mm. Acton's basically, oh yeah, I just removed this component and just puts it back, puts it back in. I took the keys out. Is basically, yeah, how, yeah, pretty much, it, yeah. How it how it works. Um, <laughs> oh, he also uses like again, sort of previously. Oh yeah, sorry, that's right. You mentioned the superpowers to, magic powers to, 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 yeah. to to thaw out Caroline Monroe. Um, not a euphemism. Uh, and. <laughs> Then they uh they get attacked by the um the, the, the lava lamp monsters. 
which then go away the, from whatever whatever that thing the layer is from Stone Tank. Yeah. That's what that's what that yeah. Is. yeah, yeah. So they get they get and you're sort of like, oh, are they going to sort of ex- explode and crash? But no, they don't. They 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 just sort of fly through it. Well, they've got because um, Acton does something. Acton, I suppose. Yeah, but um, we don't know what or how. Yes. So so then they fly down to the the next launch. I suppose actually they do find all three because they find the one in space at the beginning, don't they? So yeah, that's it. Anyway, um, so they they fly down um, and they get attacked by cavemen who have quite um, these sort of like half masks on. Yes, there's quite a like um, you know there's 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 some good in in the mid in the early seventies there's some there's some good masks in Doctor Who where you basically have like the draconians or the the ogrons which are like fitted over the top of the face but leave the lower jaw so one the actor inside can can move and they just cover that in makeup but also it gives the face expression so if you need dialogue from a from a monster you've got it and it doesn't look too awful yeah this is a lot worse than that <laughs> yes exactly um yeah the so the nearest um, thing this reminded me of was um is it which is the Pink Panther films? Is it? Is it strike? Is it um, strikes again? Where he's Cosimodo, mm. Uh, mm. and he's got this like he put the teeth on, and he puts these eye, and he puts this um, like forward ridge thing on, <laughs> and because you get one close up of one of the one of the one of the Neanderthal men, mm. uh, and um, it's not good. And you can, you can see the sen- jo- you can see the join very very sen- well. Sensibly, no no more close ups. Now, is this in any way a reference to two to two thousand to two thousand and one? Do you think? No, no. Okay, fine. No, I know. I'll, I'll tell you what it's a reference to uh, in in a bit. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so they get attacked by cavemen who basically smash L into small pieces. Like there's like, um, they fuck him up good. I like, mean, he's, he's definitely not getting repaired after that quite a shitty robot companion to be honest because he's been taken out twice quite easily um and do you think um, carolyn monroe basically had her old man taken out because he was a bit he was a bit clingy <laughs> yes could he potentially um she, she's kind of carried off into their kind of cave lair and and they're followed by um somebody wearing like this weird sort of gold helmet also not a euphemism um which shoots lasers out the eyes and, and scares the cavemen off. Um, and the, they come and rescue Caroline Monroe and he takes the helmet off and it's David Hasselhoff in a, in a very early role. And he introduces himself by saying, this is an energy mask and the amount of energy is quite limited. Um, hello to you too. Uh, nice, nice to meet you. Uh, thanks for saving me. I guess. Um, I, I don't sort of like. I, in some ways, that can be. I don't think it is here, but in some ways, that's can be quite can be quite characterful. Um, you can say hello in an un, 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 unusual way. You know, like mm. um, it's an unusual. Uh, it's an odd um, sequest, but you know, I carried a watermelon. Uh, it's a <laughs> it's a silly thing to say to the character yeah. for when you when you when you first when you when you first meet or the. Matt Smith's doctor. Can I have an apple? Um, I quite like that as a as a weird character. I mean, that's it's not what this is. That's just bad dialogue. No. Um, but it it can work. He 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 doesn't really have a character. So he has no character at all. No, <laughs> no, no notable trait. Um, um, jumping ahead, he doesn't tell anyone this yet. But he's he's Simon and he's the emperor's son. 
Uh, and he doesn't reveal that for about another four minutes because he's not sure if he can trust the person that's come to rescue him. Anyway, he loses. They have a fight with the cavemen. He hits one of them in the mask. So apparently that's now not a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, then they, um, they're looking pretty screwed. And then Acton shows up um, with what you can literally only describe as a lightsaber. Um, <laughs> an, uh, an actual lightsaber. Um scares off kills some of the cavemen um he tells them that they're on the planet that's got the weapon in it you know the one that doesn't really do anything unless you fly past the planet um but everyone's quite upset about it everybody anyway because well, no, um, the, the the stone tape thing is that's the red monsters isn't it yeah that's that's that that's like a guard for the for the planet uh we don't really know what the um, weapon that's what that's not the weapon is it I thought it was. I thought because I thought that was like the forbidden planet bit where it's like it creates the monsters in their minds. But I thought that was a. I thought that okay. But I, I thought that was a. Um, Maybe that's a separate defense technique because weapon. Acton says, "Don't you remember what the Amazon Queen said?" Even though I didn't really notice her say this. At no, no she point didn't was there no. was no point with Acton in the same room as her. Um, uh, that it'll be guarded by the planet will be guarded by two distinct uh, defenses. One and so he goes here. Okay. One, the red monsters, and two, um, the the Neanderthals. Which means um, at no point do we know what the the weapon is, how it works, or its relation to the planet. We know it's here right. within the planet. It's in the planet. Yeah. Um. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh. Anyway, the golems, the uh, the stop motion golems are there. Um. And so they have a a sort of Harryhausen esque kind of. Jason versus the skeletons fight, but if that had a lightsaber and was also crap, um, yeah, it is. It isn't good. I do like I do like these creatures, but they're not the most effective. Particularly like um, the count arrives, doesn't he? And then with all these guards, and just says, "There's nothing you can do. You're all going to die in about an hour." It's, yeah. Oh, sorry, that's it, Commander. How long have we got? We have we have one quarter. Blah. Right, we've got an hour. Like, can you just say we've got a fucking hour then? <laughs> Um, but they're basically I mean in, in the, I mean, can't criticize them for this everyone does it in the best James Bond yeah. sense you all three are going to die in an hour I'm, I'm fucking yeah. off you two uh, you two golems you stay there and if they try and leave kill them bye yeah uh, don't check in for weapons or anything so um, yeah. yeah Acton's got his lightsaber takes one of them out spends quite a lot of time posing as he kills yeah. one of them, allowing the other one to strike him slightly on the arm, which in will, the shoulder, yeah, yeah, which um, uh, his Achilles fatal shoulder. Oh no, my bad arm. Yeah, um, um, David Hasselhoff gets up, kills the other one. Well, no, nearly yeah. kills the other one. Gets overpowered. Acton throws it into a, a computer bank. Yeah, and then Acton's dying. But as Carmen Rose I, saying, "Look, you've just you've literally turned aside laser bolts." You've yeah. come out of worse scrapes. Now I've got to die now. But well, I live forever. I, again, she has that amazing line. I don't understand. You never die. And all That's I can think about, all I can think about is that bit in Airplane, you know, like, Jim never dies at home. Um, <laughs> it can't happen. Uh, I've, I've never died. I've never seen you die before. In the, in the, in the, I'm approaching 46 years. I've never died. Therefore, I've, I'll live forever. Mm -hmm. But obviously the planet is now um, on imminent verge of exploding. But that's okay because, you know... Why is the planet on the verge of exploding? Yeah, again, 
not not is well that explained. the weapon just blowing the planet up that it blows up maybe um, but it's not going mean, to do anything to to kill the emperor and now unless well, it's just a trap unless he unless the emperor's gone there which he oh has. he has but it's all right though because even though they've only got a few seconds he wouldn't be emperor if he hadn't been afforded some powers i've just realized there is no weapon is there the weapon no. it's just a, it's just a trap to get the emperor there to yeah. destroy it, and 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 that leads to the reason why this movie exists because it's my favourite moment. This is, this is probably all of cinema. Well, let's just build, let's just build this up clearly. By the time yep. the emperor gets there, um, Acton's disappeared literally. Simon and Stella are there, and the the emperor turns up with all his guards and says, "I'm here to save you." And yep. I love this bit because Stella goes, "We've got to get out of here. We've got 45 seconds." Like, You've got forty-five seconds to get get about twenty people from this room to, onto your ship and away. I don't think it's going to happen, but that doesn't matter, does it, Dave? No, no, it does not, because as Christopher Plummer says in his best, "I am doing Shakespeare at the RSC voice." Imperial battleship, halt the flow of time. Forty-eight seconds left till the explosion. We've got to get out of here. It's true, Father. The counters mined the planet with nuclear charges. We're all about to die. You know something, my boy? I wouldn't be emperor if I didn't have some powers at my command. Imperial battleship! Halt! The flow of time! Yeah, and it's but only for three minutes. Yeah, that's a bit rubbish. Um, he says there's you don't get to be emperor by having some sort of powers. So, as I understand it, the ship the emperor's on can send a beam down to the room they're in that stops time, but they're allowed, but they can just leave. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read a book called The Fermata by Nicholson Barker? No. Right. Um, he can stop time. Right, uh, and he don't and he uses it to do things that yeah, um, he doesn't steal, but he might take women's clothes off. That's that sort of thing. Right, right, right. Um, now, I don't if if time has stopped, which means presumably the countdown for whatever the thing is going to blow mm-hmm. up has stopped, but presumably like the doors that open, the the, well, the, li- the, the lift, lift still that works. doesn't stop, does it? That still obeys the laws. That still obeys physics. Yeah, it's molecules of air don't fucking stay solid, so you can't move. Well, they just kind of chat, and, they, and also they don't seem to be any particular rush, even though they've only got through. Anyway, well, three minutes is not a long time to evacuate from a planet. It's it it it's it, it's fine. Um, so they get away, and um, so that they're only <laughs> they're only uh, alternative now. And I'm not sure why they're that worried, because presumably they stopped the ultimate weapon. But then Count... No, I don't think there is an ultimate weapon. I think that says, was just a trap. Well, no, he says, he says, send in our most powerful weapon, the, the Doom Machine. We don't know what the Doom Machine is. We never see it. Um, uh, and it's sort of like, wasn't the other weapon the most powerful? But just go with it. Um, so the Emperor's f- forces... Uh, which is about three spaceships, um, 
attack the big ship that looks like a hand. I do quite like it when it kind of turns into a fist, sort of. I just um, I just use that spaceship to make wanker gestures. Yes, exactly. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's the... maybe that's weird. However, again, this isn't quite ch- again the the the, the language or of the uh, of the narrative doesn't give you any sense of what they're doing. Mm. Um, presumably, the Emperor's ship is chasing the Count's ship now. Yeah, the Count I, doesn't seem to know. Yeah. Well, because the the, the the planet's blown up, so he may think the the Emperor is taken care of. But yep. this is the Emperor of the first circle of the universe. Presumably. He's got a bit more resources than just this ship and the the attacks chips on it. Yeah, I mean, you, I think it even says something about like mustering all of our forces, which is not many. It's like ten guys, um, but which he fires torpedoes <laughs> of guards into the bridge of the count's ship through through the big force through the big windows. window. Yeah, yep. Um, They're not in spaceships suits. No, They're in space no. suits. No explosive decompression. Um, I mean, this kind of predates because like there was a, it became like a, a a bit of a crutch in in Star Trek from kind of next gen onwards, where like if there's ever a hole in the ship, there's just a force field, so it's it's fine. But that doesn't appear to be. It's just they just came in through the windows. Um, but they literally but, just they just crashed through the windows in their yeah, human torpedo. They get out of the torpedoes and start firing, and then. At the same time, this doesn't strike me as great. The Emperor's attack ships attack the the Count's fist ship. Mm. Um, But they're... uh, Not a euphemism. And how are they supposed to... How are the torpedo guys supposed to get back? Great question, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter because they all die because... That wasn't the plan, though. Completely shit. Yeah. Yeah. and everyone looks a bit sad and thinks, "Oh, now, now we're fucked." Now we're fucked. Literally, the seven people I sent over—they're all dead, and that—and that was my best shot. That was my—that was my big plan. Except, except, Star Crash. It's the title of the film. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as I can see, they take a very big spaceship, which is quite nearby for some reason. Yeah. And plan to just. Crash it into Count's ship, and and but the, they say something about fourth dimensional attack, which I mean the fourth dimension is time, isn't it? But anyway, but um, but I think the idea is it's meant to be like it, for, somehow uh, just go with it. It's space. Um, he doesn't notice till the last second, and then it's too late. Um, but hang on. So we found out they've rebuilt L to take to take him. Of course, yeah. Uh, what what point did they do that? Considering they had to, they had to have it wear their toes off that planet quite quickly. Yeah. When did they pick well, all of L's all the bits, bits up? up? Yeah. And presumably that's why they, you know, got completely pasted when because like half of them were like rebuilding like L really quickly. Um, but of course, St- Stella is the only person that can fly the floating city. Uh, which has the worst kit kit bashing yet, by the way. I mean, uh, it, what is it the floating has... city, and who who normally flies it? Well, great question. Apparently, it's been evacuated right quite quickly, um, and it's nearby. And it's nearby. So uh, basically, this thing that's got it looks like a big Christmas ornament, to be honest. So it is somewhat festive. Um, so they fly that into uh, the the count's big fist. Uh, not a euphemism. Uh, all now, of these guys point, fuck off and leave him, which I yeah, quite like. Again, he's like um, he sends fighters out to try and destroy it, 
Um, to which um, Carolyn Monroe says, well, we've got to take evasive action. We're trying to evade them. Well, but you want a collision course for this um, to the Count's, to destroy the Count's fist shit. Um, it, at no point does it seem to occur to the Count to move his ship. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's, he's used all his fuel-making, wanking gestures. Maybe. And, uh, but, um, yeah, um, anyway, um, all the guards do one but the count Legget. D- d- doesn't and just stays screaming and tra- raging as shouting his own name because yeah. in case anyone forgets and i was and i was um, shouting count a few more times yes um the, the his his spaceship gets exploded um but how do, how does stella and uh l get away they, they sort of jump out the window they jump out um, the window and and sort of float off into space and and get picked up by Simon, um, and and this is the bit where apparently um, the the the, uh, the unresolved romantic tension between uh, extremely tiki uh, David Hasselhoff and admittedly very lovely but not really having much of a character Caroline Monroe um, was supposed to make out and and Judd Hamilton as the the third wheel um, in this romantic triangle robot said i just don't think that she'd kiss him and also i'm going to stand here so that that uh he doesn't oh were they meant to kiss because they hug yeah they hug you're Uh, you're really waiting for the kiss aren't you yeah yeah. uh and so was judd hamilton which is why that didn't happen i guess um and so they kind of dub over some again uh uh, hamilton camp as the voice of of l going is that so um yeah, and then and then how where where do we leave it? Well, Christopher Plummer talks to the audience about how Oh, it's my my favourite line in the whole thing. He gives his philosophical bollocks. Um, yeah, not his philosophical bollocks like on display. He, he gives he gives some unconvincing philosophy, and um, it's happened. Yeah, <laughs> but the best line: the wheel will always turn, but for now, it's calm. It's a calm wheel. It's a calm wheel. <laughs> and for a little time, at least, we can rest. Cue John Barry. How what was that, Paul? Was I all right? <laughs> Luigi, can I go now? I have a dinner date. Yes. <laughs> Has my check cleared? <laughs> we haven't got the fact that Caroline Monroe's voice is not her own, is it? No, it is. Um, it's so... For whatever reason, I'm potentially budgetary, but I'm not really sure. Um, uh, Caroline Monroe was out of the country when they were doing the kind of post-sync looping. And again, we sort of talked about how um, everything is sort of re-synced because they don't really shoot kind of live sound or they didn't at that point in Italy. Um, So she's redubbed by Candy Clark, who um, was it sort of, I guess, a relatively well-known actress. She's in um, uh, American Graffiti... Uh, she's in The Man Who Fell to Earth, I think. And um, she was married to Marjo Gortner. She was married to Marjo Gortner. So, yeah, I imagine she was, you know, sort of uh, fairly easy to get hold of. So um, the, the the voice of Stella Star is married to Acton. Mm-hmm. And Stella Star, the body, was married to Elle. To Elle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's quite It's quite something. Now... There is some there is some interesting background that that kind of 
doesn't excuse but explains some of the things that we've discussed so as i said like luigi cozzi was a was a big sci-fi fantasy fan he got into film um he was actually writing for a magazine and he interviewed dario argento when crystal plumage came out and they became really good friends they started working together um and cozzi did a few kind of horror things but he said that was never like really his his you know wheelhouse he liked the sort of fantasy and sci-fi um and he had pitched a sci-fi film that was kind of indicative of what was around at the time uh pre-star wars that was basically like a disaster like sort of the poseidon adventure but in space um to a couple of french producers uh, father and son called nat and patrick washburger um who actually went on to be like oscar winners and all kinds of things later but you know that's later um and they were like yeah good okay no um so they that sort of didn't happen but then of course then star wars came out and everyone wanted to do a star wars so uh nat watchberger remembered luigi cozzi and said yeah we need you to do a film um it, it's it's uh i've made up a title it's called star crash um which had no bearing on anything that anyone was like sort of thinking about particularly uh of course star wars had not come out in italy at that point so no one involved in the production had actually seen it um the, the only thing that that they had was like a copy of the the novelization okay which uh, uh which was sort of credited to george lucas i think it was alan dean foster that actually goes wrote it but anyway um Kotze sort of went through that, you know, not in his native language, you know, over a weekend. I was like, okay, I, I, I can do that. I had about a week to write a, a script in Italian. Um, the, the, the stipulation that he had was it has to be exactly like Star Wars, but it was the money at that time was being put up by American International, who'd had a, a reasonable hit with the land that time forgot, you know, the... Yeah, uh, yes, the yeah. um, uh and so they said it has to be like star wars but you have to have cavemen and dinosaurs in it as well uh hence the caveman planet um oh was there meant to be a dinosaur in that there was meant to be dinosaurs but again they spent all the money on locations and, and filming at like chinachita and they had no money left for effects um and i think that's why it's sort of even though it's not really anything that was sort of mandated it's sort of a bit like barbarella because if you're like working at chinachita in italy and you're sort of like oh yeah sci-fi film i know that is it's barbarella because we did that um so yeah, yeah. that's why it sort of looks you know everything's sort of pink and gold and and caroline monroe's in sort of bondage gear for most of it uh not that I, that's a bad thing um bonk uh, bonk uh there's bits of forbidden planet um zarthan is very clearly ming uh it, as i said the script was translated from italian to english uh and, and back again and back again um and as i said like the french producer said let's call it star crash so then like luigi cozzi at the last minute was like what does that mean so they had to sort of figure out in, in the you know the last sort of three days what is a star crash <laughs> yeah. and um I, i've just remembered um the count has a has a very good line um when he's doing his gloating uh, when, he, when he's got away and he thinks the emperor's dead by sunset i'll be the new emperor you're in space yeah you're in yeah it's a relative term <laughs> which sun there are there, yeah. are there are many yeah and um, they can't set if you're in space really yeah by 
sun adjacent no it doesn't really work um yeah so and and i think mostly on the strength of caroline monroe it's become sort of a beloved cult classic um i did yeah i did read with something deeply problematic about cutscenes when they cast the um amazons mm. that they made all of them strip naked oh i didn't know that yes um apparently they um got them in one by one and uh-huh. even though they didn't they didn't need to be um ah I walked into the office, this is Kotze, that had been reserved for me. After a couple of minutes, Savino entered together with the first girl who was very beautiful. I observed her. She was really attractive, and it seemed to me that the choice made by Savino had been really right. I was about to say this when Savino preceded me by saying to the young woman, come on, come on, let the director see you like you've already done with me. The girl nodded, and before I could realise what was happening, the girl quickly took off her clothes, lowered her panties, and remained completely naked in front of me with her breasts and pubes well in evidence. The young woman remained like that for several long seconds while I looked at her astonished. Then Savino said, Okay, the director has seen. Now get dressed and let someone else in. The girl went out (laughs) and a minute passed before the next one came in. I took the opportunity to tell Savino, Why did you make her undress? The scenes we're supposed to do don't involve nude pictures. Of course, I know that, he replied with a big smile. But don't you want to see them naked anyway? I've already got them all undressed. And now you can enjoy the show too. It's worth the view, I assure you. Almost at the same time, the second girl entered the room. While I really didn't know what to say anymore, Savino ordered, come on, get undressed, the director is waiting. And the young woman hurriedly took everything off and started to proudly show me her bush, hoping that I would choose her for the small role. And so did all 20 that day, the inspiring Amazons, and each of them showed me their florid pussy. And I still today remember that incredible spectacle as unexpected, I still do not know if I was right or wrong to stay to enjoy it until the end, Kotsi says. Um, well, with with the benefit of hindsight, I feel like we can make a call on um, uh, 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 Florid Bush. Okay, that's... Um... Don't you want to see them naked? I already got them all undressed, and now you can enjoy the show too. <laughs> that's what... That's what uh, uh, Renato Savini, Savino said um, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the director as he, he hoodwinked the uh, Italian actors into stripping off thinking that was what was required for the role even though it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't needed. Still um, like the film! Yes, I don't... I, I, my very limited Italian does sadly not stretch to hashtag me too, um, but I feel like there is probably a wealth of material um I'm, yeah i'm we're, we're making assumptions here but that probably wasn't yeah. a unique occurrence in um, i i, in, I suspect, in 70s italian filmmaking i suspect very much not uh i yeah. don't know whether i was right or wrong i think we've all got a pretty good idea luigi <laughs> <sighs> sorry i've rather brought the mood down but i thought it was relevant no. to, 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 that, that's, to yeah I mean, no, no wonder. Judd, maybe Judd Hamilton was right to be. Uh, <laughs> I'm not leaving you times. with that with that lot. I'm yeah. set at all times in a robot suit. It does add something. Did of he a, make any other different... films, Judd Hamilton? Um, he he's only in a couple of other things as sort of an extra. He's in um, oh gosh, it's another Caroline Monroe film. I think it's possibly even like the last horror film, which is like the weird kind of stalker psycho thing that she also does with uh, Joe Spinell. 
Oh, okay. Right. Somewhat later, uh, which is a deeply unpleasant film. Um, but um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And then they they'd kind of separated by I think kind of the early eighties. So uh, yeah, and as I said, you know, Caroline Monroe um, is uh, not really someone who you know sort of get gets into her sort of personal relationships a lot which is um and it's kind of nice she's sort of i guess as a uh more of a uh figure of you know fantasy cinema uh in the in the capital f sense um it mostly like the interviews are kind of you know yeah nicely I mean, is, nostalgic reminiscences is this pretty much her only leading role yeah, pretty. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, it probably is. I mean, she's sort of you know female lead in in other things, but yeah, in terms of, I mean, she's not the first credited Marjo Gortner is, but she's very much the she's main, not character. main character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of her, um, you know, sort of b- biggest role really. Um, and she'd have just th- done like Spy Who Loved Me, wouldn't she? At this point. Uh, yeah, that was seventy six. This was kind of you know, so this was kind of post seventy seven. I think it came out actually didn't come out till like seventy nine in the end, but. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, Spy Who Loved Me, Sinbad would have been by this point. Um, I guess I think At the Earth's Core would have been by this point yes, as well. Most true. of the most of the things that she's known for, like the Hammer stuff, was early seventies. So this is probably actually sort of t- towards the end of you know the kind of classic stuff. After this, she's in a kind of quite a few kind of really trashy horror movies. Although um, to to her credit, uh, she manages to avoid the 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 major pitfalls of, of doing those um, and, and uh, not, not being forced to um, undress for the director, as they say. Um, yeah. The really important thing is I was earlier this year, I was in a, in a hammer documentary with, mm. with Caroline Monroe. Does that, can I, can I qualify for the Kevin Bacon game? Um, I don't know. Has she ever kissed you? N- no, we uh, weren't in the kissed... same room. Right. During, yeah. During... She's kissed me. Does that count? <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, it very much counts. <laughs> I love the idea you can get from me to David Hasselhoff. In, in, in my, in my <laughs> oh, no, but who would want to? <laughs> okay, me from Chris. You can get. You can, you, you can get from David Hasselhoff to you. Surely that is more. Of course, yes, that's yeah. Christopher Plummer to me. Well, the wheel is calm. So, the wheel, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> the wheel's calm. Not the wheel slowed. Calm, calm wheel. Who wrote this? Well, some Italians that weren't. Luigi Cozzi wrote English. it, yeah, um, yeah, in Italian, and then uh, yeah. Anyway, well, that's that's that about wraps it up for twenty twenty. Merry Christmas, Merry everyone! Merry Christmas, everyone! Um, yes, yeah, so I hope you've enjoyed uh, our reminiscences. Are we are we are we are we, are we back in the, um, uh, the problematic stabby tits Italian? Oh yeah, what's well, probably uh, problematic stabby uh, tits Spanish? next time oh, okay. um yeah we're back with uh our friend paul nashi uh for another one of his jabby uh in this one he he plays the uh, he plays the copper uh and so we're doing a dragonfly for each corpse there we go proper yeah. titles <laughs> a dragonfly for each well if you're will this be out before christmas day Me, uh, the 19th it, it it should be out before Christmas. Uh, I've got probably I've got a whole weekend to edit it. Yes, so it pretty it very much will be out on on Christmas Eve, so you can listen to it after uh, watching the new Ghost Story for Christmas. Which, if um, you've just seen the new Ghost Story for Christmas, there might be a, a little surprise for you there. 
I'm not saying what it is, just in case you haven't seen it before and it comes out like at eight when I, I ruin it. But, yeah. Right, right. right. Merry Christmas all. And to all, <laughs> calm wheel. Calm wheel. Calm wheel us, everyone. <laughs> well, it's done. It's happened. The stars are clear. The planets shine. We've won. Oh, some dark force, no doubt, will show its face once more. The wheel will always turn. But for now, it's calm. And for a little time, at least, we can rest. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Signori, where you'll get early access to episodes for a mere pound a month. Due Signori in Jallo is edited and produced by me, Dave Thomas. Until next time, goodbye. Simon. Mm-hmm. Is that, that so? so?